Welcome to the Magic Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Chapman. Monday, June 8th. I hope everyone had a good and obviously a very safe weekend. Uh, got some news from on high late last week. The Disney campus is a go. 22 teams, including the Orlando Magic, will finish a portion of their regular season schedules. Eight games on Disney property beginning at the end of July. There'll be a play-in series for each conference, provided the nine seed is within four games of the eight seed. Uh, some qualifiers there to that process, of course, we can discuss. But hoops is coming back, folks, and I think most will agree that uh, there are bigger issues concerning our country right now, issues that desperately need our attention. So I'm very heartened by what I'm seeing across our country, across the world, really, right now. And this movement certainly is not going anywhere um, so we'll keep that in the front of our minds, but hopefully by the end of July, we'll be ready for some NBA basketball, and hopefully it can serve as a unifier uh, for all of us. One man who knew from the very get-go, uh, mid-April, I believe, that Disney World would be an ideal site for an NBA campus amid the COVID-19 pandemic. His work is all over the place. Uh, SB Nation, CelticsBlog.com is the best place to find Keith's work right now. You can find him on Twitter. It's at KeithSmithNBA. Keith Smith, how are you, my friend? Hope you're well. Hope everyone in your world is safe and healthy. How you doing, Keith? I appreciate that. Yeah, we're doing pretty good. You know, we're, uh, you know, everybody in our immediate family has stayed healthy and safe. So that's, you know, really good news for us. And, you know, we're just hanging in there and, and making the best of it. School's over. So my daughter is uh, now, uh, we don't have to be uh, work at home teachers slash parents, <laughs> which is, you know, wasn't up my wife or I's alley. So we're pretty happy about that as well. You're talking to the son of two public school teachers from outside the Cleveland area uh, for about 70 years combined. So I can attest to the fact <laughs> that, that education is something that we all sort of take for granted. Um, but certainly good news, Keith, uh, that everyone on uh, your forefront is healthy. All right. Well, tell me, go back to mid-April. I mean, you had a sense sort of all along that Disney would be the ideal site. In hindsight, it's easy to say that um, sort of all of your inclinations were spot on. But um, I guess just take me back and and what sort of what sort of put you on the the scent in the first place that Disney would be an ideal site, Keith. Yeah, so I go back to when the season first paused. It, I think we all thought, okay, this couple weeks we'll take a little break and then we'll get back at things. And then it quickly became clear this is not going to be a couple weeks. This is going to be a long time. And once that happened, we started to hear, right, well, what if these teams still want to play? You know, they could do a single site. And we started hearing things like cruise ships, which for me was like, well, what are we doing here? Like that just doesn't make a lot of sense. But then, you know, Las Vegas, the Bahamas, uh, you know, create something on a private island somewhere and those kind of things. And the more I heard about those, I started to think, you know, Walt Disney World has all the stuff you need. And part of the reason I knew that was I had worked for the Disney company for nearly 20 years, the majority of that time at Walt Disney World. So as I really started thinking about it, I said, you know, they've got all the hotels you could ever need. They've got the basketball facilities at the ESPN Wide World of Sports Complex and their private property. And that is, you know, so big in this because that allows them to easier uh, contain things and create, you know, the bubble of sorts. And, and whenever I say easy, it's clearly with relative ease because none of sure. this is easy. But th those are the things that are, you know, kind of came to mind for me. And I go with my editor at Yahoo, who fortunately also knows the property fairly well. And he said, "Yeah, let's write it. Let's let's see. You know, let's run it and see where it goes." And you know, from there, you know, off we went. 
Did you have any inside info? I, I know you said that you've, you know, you have sources based on your experience there, but um, at that point, did you have any sense that you weren't the only person who thought like that? No, I didn't. Um, I, I really didn't. I What I did was I called a couple people to fact check a couple things to make sure I, I knew it had been, especially about the sports complex. Um, mm-hmm. Even someone who works and lives here, I hadn't been there all that often, um, you know, especially recently. Uh, it had probably been gosh, probably approaching a year or so um, since I'd been in, in there. So I wanted to, you know, kind of walk through. I didn't want to say, you know, oh yeah, they could build 50 courts and then have them be like, hey, dude, it's like 12. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't want to be completely off. But as far as inside source and knowledge, no, now since things have picked up steam, I've, I've reached out to several other people within the company um, for things more like hotels and how it would work and timing and the like like that. But at the time that I wrote the piece, beyond doing a few simple fact checks, no, nothing like that. Did anywhere else even really make sense, Keith? You talk about, you know, some of the, I guess, wackier ideas that were floated. Um, cruise ships, right? I think it's the one that jumps out at you. Like, <laughs> yeah. ah, I'm not sure that one's <laughs> going to work. But did it feel, I, I mean, it feels like the, this is the ideal scenario. And I know, obviously, um, it, it was not arrived at easily. There were, you know, every single option um, was worked through, but it, 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 it doesn't feel like they, there were even very many options that were remotely similar to what you can pull off at Disney. Yeah. I know the places that made, um, kind of official pitches, I guess, or proposals were mm-hmm. Las Vegas. Clearly they host summer league there every year. Um, Atlantic city, because they, you know, again, an abundance of hotel rooms, they were going to convert convention spaces and the like into uh, basketball facilities. And then uh, Houston got in the game somewhat mm-hmm. later, um, but they, they also, you know, were pushing and it seemed like for a long time, that if this was going to happen, it was going to be East Coast at Walt Disney World and West Coast teams at the um, in Las Vegas. Right. But then, you know, I think they, the interview that the Las Vegas mayor did didn't do them any favors um, that we've you know, all seen all over social media. Um, and then I think the other factor was just the private property piece. It, it, once it was clear that that Las Vegas was going to reopen and start reopening the city um, and their casinos and the like while the NBA would be in town. That was something that the NBA just really you know, didn't feel great about from my understanding where Walt Disney World is going to reopen their theme parks, but the sports complex is very isolated. The hotels can be very easily um, isolated and set up so people aren't getting in. And that private property factor was just so big towards you know Disney. In the end, as my understanding is, by the time we were you know, uh, even a, as far back as a month ago, it was really Disney or they weren't going to do this. I love what you wrote. We're talking to Keith Smith um, at Keith Smith NBA on Twitter, right? Celticsblog.com for SB Nation. You can find his work um, at Yahoo. But the, the, the 10 takeaways on the Celtics blog, um, and, and, and I'm sure there are a lot of people who aren't quite, you know, fully grasping how this is going to work. The idea of Lopez Brothers aside, the idea of seeing an NBA player uh, in line for Space Mountain, that's probably not going to be the case. I have to think, Keith, you know, they've thought through all of the protocols here and they even have, and, and some of this stuff is getting leaked out and some of this stuff is still to be negotiated with the players union. But um, the idea of after round one of the playoffs, sort of opening up the campus a little bit more um, as teams are going home to bring in um, some family members. And, and of course, we're talking about what 1600, I think is the total capacity of personnel they're aiming for um, to keep it under that number there on campus. But um, it, 
it, it makes so much more sense, like you said, because of the control they're going to be able to have over that portion. And for people who don't know, I mean, you it's it's not the most difficult thing in the world. I don't think, Keith, um, you, you know, you can verify this for me to be able to block off that portion of Disney. I mean, it feels like there's going to be pretty clear cut. Uh, this is the NBA sort of, you know, property, I guess for the next two months or so, that shouldn't be an issue, right? Being able to kind of control um, access, both going in and out. Yeah, absolutely not. It's not going to be you know too big of a deal. So the hotels, uh, wherever they ultimately land, uh, the the only one that seems to be you know very firm to me is Coronado Springs Resort, and they've clearly got their own um, you know entrance exit gates there that are all manned by security. And there'll be you know I would imagine some extra folks there as well uh, if the need you know should arise. Then they'll have that you know really under lockdown you know where people aren't going to get in there. Um, yeah, and like you said. Yeah, you're not going to, you know, uh, uh, stumble into any of these places and oh, I was looking for, you know, Splash Mountain and, you know, I stumbled upon the NBA. That's not going to happen. <laughs> um, then I would say the other piece for the ESPN Wide World of Sports Complex, there's about a quarter mile or so drive down into the sports complex itself mm-hmm. before you're even anywhere close. It's a very long roadway down into that area. And I think the idea there as well is you'll have security all the way out, you know, by the road there. And you're not going to get anywhere near that place unless you have, you know, the proper credentials to do so. They're, they're just, you know, they're going to keep everything as, you know, uh, you know, locked down in a bubble as they can. They'll, they'll limit, you know, movement. They said, you know, players could could eat. They could, um, you know, go out to, you know, play golf and the like and that. And, I you know, knowing Disney, they're going to bring in plenty of activities and amenities to keep everybody entertained. Uh, one of the things I heard is they're going to make sure that they set up movies and the like for the players and, you mm-hmm. know, those kind of things and make sure that they can really you know enjoy themselves while they're there but it's it's going to be them and then eventually uh some family joins them and they'll you know of course it's disney so they'll do everything they can uh, to take care of the families as well but yeah you're not going to see them roaming around the theme parks and you know conversely i've been telling people don't plan a trip down here hoping to catch the nba because it's not going to happen no and i think that's i'm trying to picture um they had the NBA draft. They used to have the draft combine. And so. Yeah, it, the I, sports it, complex. Yep. Right. And I recall the one year that I covered it, that walk up that you're referring to, it, it, just based on parking, that it's so sprawled out that it is going to be interesting to see how um, exactly they're able, you know, where does that perimeter sort of get set up? Um, but I think that's interesting as far as the amenities go. Nobody is going to cry too many tears for multimillion dollar athletes. But if you're talking Milwaukee or the L.A. teams and you're talking about this extended period of time that you're going to be, quote unquote, in a campus, um, I know, you know, the, the, the word bubble is um, there is sort of a negative connota- connotation to that. But, uh, you know, let's be honest, that's essentially what you're doing. You are you know, yeah. getting set to live your life um, in a, a closed off area for two and a half months. I think that's interesting. The golf and, and the movies and things like that. You have to stay mentally sharp. And if you're sitting in a hotel room uh, for hours on end, um, you know, that that's going to affect the product on the floor. They have to make sure that these guys are not banging their head against the walls for, for 12 hours a day. 
Yeah, no doubt. And I am fairly certain a big uh, uh, item on the packing list will be the PlayStations and Xboxes and mm. you know all the games and those kind of things to make sure that the players have those to to take part in. You know, what's interesting is talking to players around the league. Once this really about two weeks ago, it felt like it was really real that this was definitely going to happen. And talking to those players, one of the things that that was interesting was how many of them their their mindset had already started to change. To all right, if we're doing this, this is a business trip. Like I'm going there to win a championship. And that was from multiple players across multiple teams. One of the things I've been saying a lot is there's no Golden State Warriors inevitability hanging over this season this year where it feels like, well, you know, maybe we could trip up the Warriors, but, you know, they're such a heavy favorite. There were seven to eight teams that believed, you know, hey, if things break right, you know, that, that can be us. And now those teams are feeling really good because no home court advantage to fight through and those kind of things. And, and they're going to be able to really, you know, come out here and really get after this. And, and I think that is going to make a, you know, a difference in mindset a little bit. Cause I think guys are coming here, you know, with their, you know, mindset on, but we're here to win, but, but you're absolutely right. You know, three, three and a half months in one place, there, there's nowhere I want to stay for that long. That isn't my own home. So, you know, and even then I want to get out for it, you know, every once in a while, uh, so, you know, be, being there is going to be a little a little tricky, but, you know, they'll make the best of it and they'll do what they can to help everybody through it. No, I have proof positive, Keith, that even three months in my own home, uh, <laughs> the last three months in my own home yes. is not ideal, no matter how uh, how uh, how much you, you step up the accommodations. We're talking to Keith Smith. Uh, it's a Magic Weekly podcast. All right, I got one more question about the plan, and then I do want to get into some actual basketball talk with you. Um, because I think you make a great point about the inevitability thing. You know, we all just sort of assumed the Western Conference Finals would be the Clippers and Lakers and Milwaukee and somebody in the East, but um, this opens things up, certainly. We'll get to that in one second. How, what concerns do you have about the plan put in place so far? Like I said, we're still working through some details. I think probably the biggest one comes on the back end, trying to figure out when you start um, the 20, the 20, what will be the 2021 uh, regular season. I think that'll probably be debated back and forth, whether we're talking the beginning of December, the end of December, or somewhere in between. Um, I know based on talking to you know members of the Magic's high-performance staff, David Tenney and his staff, talking to Matt Lloyd, our assistant general manager, injuries are going to be a big concern for basketball operations departments um, because of an unprecedented amount of time off and all of the changes uh, that will be sort of presented, the changes and challenges within the campus, but what are some concerns you might have about the application of all of this um, and maybe things that haven't quite been worked out just yet? Yeah, I think the the overarching concern is just the health around coronavirus that, you know, that they are able to do this and that nothing kind of gets in there and then, you know, causes this to, you know, fall apart or fail. Um, but, but I know they're doing they're going to do their best, you know, with daily testing and the like to make sure that they uh, make that work from, from there. It, it's the injuries. It's the fact that you've got players who are coming off of, you know, months off of doing their normal routine of basketball and training and the like, and then the compressed amount of games that are going to be played in such a short window. There's, you know, this is really, you know, a small amount of time, even just the, the regular season or seeding games, there's going to be 88 of them in 16 days. And that that's a lot to, to cram in, you know, very quickly. That means the players are playing, you know, every other day or, you know, ha- uh, play back to backs and then have a couple days off here and there and those kind of things. And that's going to be, you know, interesting to see how that all comes together as they put it all, you know, and piece everything uh, here when they, they do get here to Walt Disney World. And then you mentioned it, the, 
next year. Well, what does this do? Because the next off season is going to be really, really tight. It's going to be you know, shortened. It's going to be condensed. Um, so there's going to be a lot of stuff that happens. And we know NBA off seasons, it's not going to be like last year where, you know, half the league changed teams. It feels like um, sure. that's not going to happen again uh, this season, this off season, but still that's very little time to, you know, uh, do the draft and free agency and then training camps. It feels like, you know, I was kind of telling my wife this morning as I was looking at some calendars and I said, once this thing gets cranked up uh, here at Walt Disney world, like my next real down off time, that is, you know, a chunk of time is going to be in August of like 2021 because we're all just going to be go, go, go all the way through. So, you know, that's going to be an impact. So I'm curious to see ultimately what they negotiate with and figure out with the players union and how they make all that work. Did you like one more question? Did you like the the eight nine? I realize that, you know they were sort of caught in a tough spot where you wanted to make sure you honored what happened in the first you know seventy five ish games, uh, or I should say about seventy games of the regular season um, for each team, a little less than that even. But the you know it, it was kind of a balancing act to make sure that you, you didn't just forget about all of that, but you want to make sure that you're that you're putting an emphasis on the um, the, the eight games before the season starts. The the, the sort of close out of the regular season. Um, and you didn't want, you know, you wanted to make sure that any team that still had a shot, I like that they did some historical analysis, about how many games you can close, you know, typically in the standings um, with, with what, 15, 16 games remaining. Do, do, do you like the idea of the eight, nine, if the teams are within four games, um, you get a chance at that plan? Yeah, I think they did a, about as good a job as you could possibly do to make this fair. I think they, um, they're they're giving those teams a shot, but it's an uphill battle. You know, to yeah. just to close to within four games is going to be tough uh, for you know some of the teams, and then to then you got to beat that team in the eighth spot twice, and they only got to beat you once, and that is you know really you know kind of interesting to see you know how that's going to come together ultimately in the end. So I think they did a good job of giving the teams that are currently outside the playoff picture a reasonable chance. And if they play really well, they can take advantage of it. But they also took care of the teams that had already played really well and had kind of, you know, almost earned and, and really close to kind of locked in their spots um, there. They, they made it, you know, pretty uh, advantageous to them as well. So I think, you know, the, the NBA, this is a good example of the NBA taking lemons and making lemonade. And I think they did a pretty good job of it. Yeah, and it's and you can look across the sports landscape right now. Just having a plan um, to get back is it, it's good news, and I, I think certainly um, people like you and I are happy that we have something to look forward to. What teams can this help when you start to go through and think about the actual basketball? You know, people's first reaction was, well, if Kevin Durant comes back, um, then Brooklyn all of a sudden, you know, could be a favorite in the Eastern Conference. Well, we know that's not going to be the case. And it doesn't look like across the league there's going to be too many, you know, major players coming back or major changes um, from an injury standpoint that, that, that you wouldn't have dealt with um, according to a regular schedule. When you look around, is there anybody who jumps out at you that you say, wow, this is a team that may not have been a legit contender if things were quote unquote going according to normal. And now all of a sudden, um, maybe this opens things up a little bit for them. Yeah, I feel a little bit better about those teams that are maybe a tier down from the the 
Bucks, Lakers, and Clippers, who I think it kind of set themselves as the the favorite. And I know people instantly go, well, the Clippers record wasn't all that great. Well, the Clippers threw away a ton of regular season games prioritizing mm-hmm. health. They they just their whole goal was, well, whatever seed we're dealt, we'll deal with that. We just need to get there with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George ready to go. Um, but you know, so I think any of the teams that are tiered down, Toronto, Boston, Denver, um, you know, maybe Utah, maybe not. They're not with the Bogdanovich injury. That probably hurts them too much. But those are the teams. But the team that really jumps out to me for an individual team is the Houston Rockets. Mm. And for a couple reasons, um, they were playing. They We all know, right, they were playing the super small lineup. You know where the biggest guy was about six foot seven in the lineup, and they were playing that five out style. And when you do that, you you're asking a lot of your guys to play up a position or two in a lot of cases, and that takes a lot out of guys physically because it's a lot of extra banging and the like in there. So I think that part is tough. Um, then I think thing that gets overlooked with the Rockets is they only play about a seven or eight man rotation uh, nightly too. So those not only are are those guys playing up a couple positions, but they're also playing, you know, high thirties, low forties in minutes. And that's, you know, that takes a toll. So I think they're a team that, that with this, uh, the pause that they've had and a chance to kind of rest up and uh, get their legs back and, you know, any of their bumps and bruises healed up. I think they're a team that really stands out that could really benefit from this. It's funny you bring them up. I, I, I almost was thinking them in the back of my head as I asked you that question. I also think early on, as you see what is likely going to be somewhat disjointed basketball, right? Um, teams like the Rockets, where it's like, hey, we've got two go-to guys right here. You can just hand the ball to and go get a bucket. I feel like that, you know, those teams are the ones who early on, as, as guys are working their legs back out under them and just sort of getting a feel for their teammates again. I mean, this is a pretty unprecedented break we're talking about. Yep. And then it's going to be jumping right back in without that ramp up of the, of the preseason and the regular season that you get. And look, we, you know, we can talk about um, you know, a normal preseason, of course, we're going to have all these mechanisms in place where we're not just diving right into playoff basketball, but everything's going to be so different for these guys um, as far as their bodies go, as far as their internal clocks sort of go. Um, playing that level of basketball without having, you know, seven months of a ramp up period of a regular season behind you, it's all going to be new for these guys. And so I keep going, you know, what are teams that have sort of a bread and butter where they're going to say, you know, here, Harden go out and get me 50 and and win a playoff game I think a team like Houston certainly um fits that bill what about in the Eastern Conference does this open things up a little bit as far as maybe Toronto or Boston you know Miami as I look around I I start going okay what teams are based on perimeter shooting that could be a big issue early on as, as, as teams are getting their legs back under them what do the Eastern Conference look like for you uh with some of these teams and and, and, and maybe somebody posing a threat to Milwaukee yeah, I, I think it's you know Toronto, Boston. I maybe you could put Miami in there. Um, I'm very worried about Miami because they have you know massive home and away splits, um, mm-hmm. which you know those are the teams I'm kind of looking at. This might not be so good for them um, because of of. You know, there's no home games anymore. Everybody's you know playing at a neutral site. So I think you know Toronto and Boston. I think this helps a little bit. They're not going to have to go into Milwaukee to play a game seven on the road if it gets that far. And I think that's really important. Um, what's funny with a team like Boston is I've had a couple different coaches and scouts say, yeah, they they could really benefit from this. They're really young, you know, and they, they, those young teams should be the ones that are in shape and come right back. And then on the flip side, I had you know a coach say, yeah, you got to watch out for those young teams because no home games those are the guys who rely on the crowd to lift them 
you know, mm. without that, they might be in trouble. So I think that's, you know, just, uh, you know, it just it kind of depends on, you know, which way you're looking at and how you're, you're viewing things and through what lens, but yeah, it, it's going to definitely be interesting. I think, um, you know, those are the two teams that really stand out to me. Um, and then, you know, uh, they, they, I think maybe that closes the gap a little bit on the Bucks, but I think the Bucks have proven throughout the course of the year they're just that much better than all the other teams. And that is, you know, I don't know why I would think that that's not going to carry through um, into uh, this environment at Walt Disney World just because I think they're set up to, you know, they could go play these games on the moon and they're probably going to be okay. It's funny, Stan Van Gundy, uh, he said it a lot in Detroit, but I remember he used to say it in Orlando as well. When you would ask about a back-to-back or playing four games in five nights, the I guess a lot of people, the prevailing thought is that young players are able to handle that better um, just because they're fresher. And he would always say, typically, he's, he goes, check the Spurs record on back-to-backs. And this is a couple yeah. years ago, obviously. Uh, check the Spurs record in four and five. Veterans know how to take care of their body better. And so when you're talking about this sort of unprecedented four-month thing, and especially when you go through and you think about who, you know, what players would have um, courts at their house or would have a, a little mini gym to keep themselves in shape. Typically, it's not the younger players who yeah. oftentimes live in condos alone. It's the it's the Chris Pauls and the LeBrons who have these estates and kids and, and you know, these massive homes. Um, I got a feeling some of the veteran teams may be able to deal with this a little bit better just because. You know, nobody's been here before, but those guys at least, you know, have a past of dealing, um, I, I guess, with sort of uh, extending circumstances and just different sort of approaches. Um, I think probably veteran teams will be be a little bit better at, at dealing with all of the differences um, as it plays out. Yeah, I think there's definitely something to that. I think the the teams that are going to do the best here are the ones who put all of it aside, you know, that they're they're not at home, they don't have their own stuff, that this whole situation is weird, and then just, you know, zone in and focus on basketball. Those are the teams, I think, you know, that will really stand out in this environment. And the quicker that that can happen, the better. We might see, I think you're right, I think we're going to see some pretty sloppy basketball in those first, uh, you know, handful of those uh, seeding games and see what those look look like and then you know but after that once the teams start to lock in then i think we're gonna get a really good sense of okay these this is you know who's ready to go this is who's ready to play and off we go what do you see from the magic it's um it is a young group is playing really good basketball right before the break it feels kind of like last season where you know sort of post all-star break kind of started putting it all together the offense uh was really clicking um, before the pandemic hit, I think probably you know, especially if you if you draw the Bucks in round one, then you know it's going to be kind of similar to last year to see what you can do, and you hope it's a growing experience. Um, what, what do the Magic look like to you, and do you think there is anything to the ho- the quote unquote home court advantage? I mean, I, it feels like to me once you get on that campus, the home court advantage. Uh, dissipates. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, you know, everybody keeps saying, oh, the NBA gave the Magic home court advantage. The the Magic players have played just as many games in the Disney facility as the uh, the, right. the Portland Trailblazers have. You know, <laughs> that are, you know, completely on the other side of the country. Like, that's not a thing. You know, it's not like the Magic guys are down there hanging out and working out and the like. It, it's funny, there's a handful of, pl- 
players that live over on the side of town that I live live in over closer to Disney. And I've seen a couple of the guys at like Publix and stuff and, um, you know, and just, you know, running around and then in talking with them, you know, it's, uh, you know, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm excited, you know, get back to work. And, you know, a couple of them didn't have hoops and those things. And, and one of the guys said, I didn't have a hoop. I have a hoop now, um, mm-hmm. you know, which is funny. You know, I just, I, it, it just kind of gives me the giggles to think of an NBA player out in his driveway shooting baskets like right. you know, like we did growing up as kids. But, you know, so those were interesting. But the, um, yeah, you know, to, to think about that for the Magic, I think, I think you're absolutely right. They were playing their best basketball, you know, late in the year and they were playing, um, the, you know, or late in the pod up to the pause, I guess. Uh, I think some of that had to do with they, they were finally healthy. They, they didn't have Jonathan Isaac and Alfred Aminu, but the rest of the guys were getting back. They, they looked like they were starting to really gel and figure some stuff out. It looked like Aaron Gordon, um, all year long. I just hadn't felt like he had been healthy. felt like he was always kind of dealing with something. And it looked like he was finally starting to come around and play some of his better basketball this year. And, and you know, I, it's just, it's such a tough, you know, uh, uphill climb. I think it would be huge for them if they could get you know past Brooklyn and get up to seven and avoid the Bucks because I just think the Bucks are you know I think no matter if it's Brooklyn or Orlando they're just going to steamroll over whoever it is because that's how good yeah. the Bucks are but I think they'd have a chance to be a little more competitive against Toronto who's probably going to be the two seed uh, and I and I think that would be important to to be in there but I think you know what you're looking for here is if I was like Steve Clifford and Jeff Waltman what I'd be looking at is what is the mindset of the guys getting back you know huh? how what are their attitudes like are they embracing this challenge you know are they ready to work are we you know ready to go in here and do the best we can with this and you know and then make the best of it and you know try try and you know do some things here and you know maybe pull off a stunner here and there i think that's really important and i think the Knowing a lot of the guys in the locker room, I would assume they're going to come back ready to go you know and that that'll be you know a good thing uh to see as well i think that's good insight last question keith and i appreciate the time as always keith smith uh, with me from Yahoo Sports, from Celtics blog, SB Nation. He's on Twitter at KeithSmithNBA. Rudy Gobert, uh, years from now, we're going to look back on this, and we all remember that night and those images uh, in Oklahoma City. And it, uh, Keith, yours and my world got flipped, turned upside down that day. I mean, yep. it changed everything. Um, and he was vilified, and I didn't feel comfortable vilifying him at first, but I also understood why people were angry because he clearly didn't take it very seriously. And then you look back and, and you saw the way the infection spread, and you, and we had no idea if Rudy Gobert was even patient zero within the Utah Jazz locker room, uh, let alone within the NBA. Do you think when we come back, and I'm not even talking about Donovan Mitchell's relationship with him, is did people just sort of forget? Do, do you think people will will just move on, let bygones be bygones? And do you think people's opinions sort of changed within that first couple of weeks afterwards? Or do you think this is going to be something that's held against him fairly or unfairly? And I'll say it was probably unfairly um, for the rest of his career. Yeah, I, I've, you know, certainly changed. I mean, what he did when he touched the mics and the phones of everybody, that was just silly. You know, right. but, you know clearly he didn't mean any harm by it. And, you know, and, and unfortunately, you know, things went the way they went. But I'm not, I'm not, it wasn't overly like, you know, get this guy out of the league and, you know, let's, uh, you know, make sure his career ends here. Like that, that all went a little bit far for me. Um, you know, and then once it came out, you know, we were up to, I want to say it was 12 players, you know, with confirmed cases. We don't know all the identities, but I think, you know, once we get up to that number it was clear. All right. Well, you know, let's, 
back off Rudy Gobert a little bit here because he's not the only one. It wasn't like he brought this into the NBA because Donovan Mitchell, you know, tested. We don't, did Gobert get it from Donovan Mitchell? Did they both right. get it from somebody else? You know, that's, that's what we don't know. And I think, you know, now that we're kind of, you know, going through um, all this stuff is, you know, somebody's certainly going to mention it on the court in a trash talk kind of way. I would be, you know, I'd be, quite frankly, a little disappointed if that didn't happen, <laughs> you know, just, just knowing, you know, NBA players. But I think by the time it really matters, you know, we're not going to hear, you know, much of it anymore. I think it'll be, you know, really a non-story unless it comes out and it sounds like all reports are he and Donovan Mitchell have, you know, repaired their relationship and they're moving forward from here. But unless it really starts to become like, yeah, that thing's too broken and it all goes back to that. I think the story just eventually kind of goes away with, except from the standpoint of, yeah, you know, remember that night when Rudy Gobert tested positive, um, you know, but it's not going to be in any kind of a negative or blame being put on him sort of way. No, and, and you're right. I mean, I think we'll, none of us will ever forget um, that night in mid-March and, and the images of, of people running out of the building in Oklahoma City. But well, we, we, we've got a long list of uh, player beefs that have torn apart locker rooms, <laughs> and just tack that one on there uh, if that ends up being the case. But I have to think enough time has passed, and, and uh, it seemed a little ridiculous in the first place to, to blame him for everything. So Donovan Mitchell's a, a smart young man, and I have to think they'll be able to bury that hatchet. Keith, really appreciate the time make sure you follow keith on twitter it's at keith smith nba read all of his stuff in yahoo real gm celtics blog for sb nation uh and everywhere else uh you can find this guy keith thanks again i appreciate it man be well okay absolutely thank you for having me stay safe you and yours yep you as well there he is keith smith my name is jake chapman make sure you follow me on twitter it's at jake chapman om back next week with another edition of magic weekly have a good and a very safe week everybody (laughs) 